Welcome to the crux of it. That's when that's when a, a stadium comes alive to me, and I, and I think they can actually have that impact. They can have that impact more often. We saw it against Boston. Every time he gets the ball in the opposition half, you, well, I am. I'm off my seat. I'm just excited. You just. Welcome to the second episode of the Crooks of It podcast, a spin-off from York Hospital Radio, where we discuss all things York City. I'm Chris, and I'm here with the panel of Dan, Jim, and Mark to discuss the start to York City season back in the National League. In the first episode of the Crooks of It podcast, many of us predicted that York City would finish the season in mid-table, and that's very much where the Minstermen find themselves after six games with two wins, two draws, and two defeats to their name. So like I said, I've got Dan, Mark, and Jim with us this evening. We're just going to run uh, through what York City have achieved so far this season. Let's start with you, Dan. York City opening that. Probably shouldn't start with you this one, Dan, because I know you weren't there, but that 2-0 win over Woking in all the time I've been following York City. Best part of 10 years out was one of the most accomplished York City performances I've seen. Impressive 2-0 victory on the opening day, and things were looking good then, weren't they? Yeah, they were. Fortunately for me, my kind of COVID, what my holiday that got cancelled by COVID three times, ended up being coincided with the first game of us back in the National League, which was a bit unfortunate. But yeah, I mean, it's, it sounded like a, a fantastic performance and off the back of people panicking in pre-season. I, I mean, I, I don't know why people didn't learn from the previous year when we all got carried away with pre-season and then found ourselves losing three games in a row. This was kind of like the opposite. And um, yeah, good good performance. And and I think generally the start to the season has been been good. I mean, I've seen people today sort of still talking about this feel-good factor and this comes off the back of the Oldham game where the attendance was fantastic and the atmosphere was really good. And and really, that that's great because like... You know, it's not that long off the back of that Eastley performance, which quite frankly was almost like a harping back to the old days um, where, you know, it was very flat and and you were wondering where, when, you know, we could have played all night and not scored. So so overall, I'm, I'm really happy. I'm really happy that the fans are still really positive. I'm happy with the start to the season. As I kind of said in the last episode, I'd be delighted if we came mid-table mediocrity and so far so good as far as I'm concerned Absolutely Jim Mark anything to add on what Dan said there Jim I know you at the Woking match everything looked bright and rosy red then didn't it Yeah Woking was was exceptional really I I haven't seen a York City team turn up like that for a long time and it it sort of set the season up right I mean we we spoke kind of the week before that and I think we were all kind of hoping for a good result and Coming into the season, thinking it's on. I mean, we were all in the same boat as Dan. As I think we, were, we all took pre-season with a pinch of salt. But I don't think anybody, anybody, realistically could have expected such a well-rounded and complete performance. Really, we never looked in danger. Woking really never got on top. I thought the LNER shone as well. Fans were were up for it. It was, it was a great day. Yeah, absolutely. After that two-nil uh, victory, been a bit of a mixed bag since two-one away defeat at Maidstone, but then an impressive one-all draw at Solihull Moors. Uh, I don't know if anyone made the trip to Maidstone. I gather it was a case of York City throwing that one away, the better team on the day. Bit of a tricky one with the train strikes, but, um, but you know, I think, I think we're all, all behind them. But yeah, Maidstone, was a, it was an uncomfortable result. Again, we looked great. I thought we looked quite good in the first half. I thought we, we deserved the lead and then it all just fell apart a little bit, really. A couple of errors and I think Askey said after the game, look, we're in a position where you can't make errors, especially away from home. They'll get punished. Two errors got punished and, and that was that, really. I think one thing I would say is what seemed to happen at Maidstone and it got, I think, repeated a little bit then at Solihull Moors the, the, in the midweek was that they, they disrupted our play in the second half. They stopped us playing. It went to that long ball. It went to that sort of ugly football, for want of a better phrase, that, that we don't... That's that's clearly not how we want to play and, and that's what we struggled with. I think what was good, Chris, was that, you know, I think the Maidenhead result was, was probably the most impressive result I've, I think I've seen from this team because when we went 1-0 up, it was a little bit like the Maidstone game where I sort of thought, well, are they going to be able to hang on to this lead? Are they going to be able to show that resilience? And I sort of thought, if we end up going on to lose this 2-1 again like we did at Maidstone, you might start to think we've got a bit of a soft underbelly, but I think kind of that proved, as did the Solihull Moors game, but and Oldham, to be honest, that this team is quite resilient. It, it doesn't kind of 
panic. All right, there was a little bit of a spell after Oldham scored where they could have gone 2-0 up. I'll accept that, that they were on top for a good 20 minutes after they scored. But that the team doesn't look beat when it concedes. And I think that's what's really important and what, what's really impressive under John Askey. That in the past, we, we've all seen it before, you go 1-0 down and you just think, right, that's it, we're done. Uh, this team, even when we're not playing that well, you still think they're capable of getting themselves back into the game. And that's due to the quality of the likes of kind of, you know, Maz Kouya, who we've waxed lyrical about before. And, you know, people like Alex Hurst as well, who, you know, he's showing... I think he's getting better each game, you know, showing his pace and his skill. And he, he, he looks like he's he's producing more of an end product now as well. And, you know, so I think the signs are really, really positive going forward. So let's go through some of the players that have impressed so far. You mentioned there, Kuya, obvious choice. I think he's been involved in every goal York City have scored so far this season. Mark, let's bring you in on here. The players that have uh, stood out for you. Kuya goes without saying. Anyone else you think deserves a shout-out in opening six games? Obviously, like you say, Kuya has just been absolutely class, I mean, and every time he gets the ball in the opposition half, you, well, I am, I'm off my seat. I'm just excited. You just, you're waiting for something to happen because you feel like with him, like you, you could see a piece of magic every single time he gets ball, and and then you look at the opposition players as well, and the the respect they give him on ball, like they're backing off him and they're backing off. even if he's got two or three around him, they're backing off, and he's just like he he's just got that skill and quality about him and he's just a he's just a pleasure to watch he really is I'd say so far Hurst has impressed me he looks good you know he, he, he wants to make things happen he wants to be on the ball sounds a little bit harsh in a way I mean he's, he's not quite as good as Kuya but he's, he's he's a good player and I think uh, as the season goes on I think he's going to get better and better I think we'll get more from him I think he'll create more I've been impressed with Koonigan at the back to be honest I thought yesterday especially I thought he was class yesterday I really did. He seems to be sort of because when he when he first signed last season, the first few games, I was a bit oh I don't know about him. I didn't really I didn't really know what we'd signed here. He looked just like whenever he got ball, he just seemed to boot it long. And even defensively, he didn't start off too solid. But he's really sort of looking like a good centre half for this level. So for, I mean, it's early days, and it? it's early days. But the keeper it, it, for me, we always see we seem to get so many solid goalkeepers, don't we, at York? It's not really a position we ever really struggled in. And again, great shot stopper in command of his box. Not scared, not scared to tell opposition strikers what he thinks of them. You know, so yeah, he's, he's been a good signing. John Lewis has been brilliant. You know, we, when he's not played, we've missed him. I think he went off at half time in the Eastley game, didn't he? And Bowden came on and I mean the difference. And I'm not gonna have too much of a go at Bowden because he's just signed for us. And but you really could see like if we're playing four five one. We need John Lewis. He, he gives us such a threat. He's sort of so physical. Hold the ball up, win headers. He's a massive player for us. So, yeah, for me, they're the real sort of standout players, I'd, I'd say, so far. I think the only one I'd add to that would be uh, Dan Pibus because he was, I think he's been an absolute gem in the centre of midfield. I think out of the three of them, for him, Dyson and Hancock, I think I think we can, Dyson and Hancock have had good starts this season, but I think we can quite rightly have questions over I think Burgess will push him for a place but but Pibus is Pibus has really stepped up I think I think Devo's pulling faces at me he's not I feel like he's not sure but um I, I think he's great I think he's really good I like I like how he uh, I like how he plays football I like how he disrupts the game when we're out of possession so we had doubts about in our pre-season review Ollie Dyson knows that new signing but he's not he, done too bad popped up with a goal yesterday Mark shaking I think his he, head uh, yeah, I'm, just doing, I, I'm just doing this to provoke Mark. Go on. <laughs> I don't. I, I think there's still. I think there's still got to be a lot of questions about Dyson. I, I, no, don't get me wrong. I think there's got to be a lot of questions about Dyson. But I think when we played well, it's because our thin midfield's been playing well. I think it can do better. And I think if you look at Maidstone second half, if you look at a lot of the solid hole, that was where our midfield was struggling, and that and that's all three of them uh, working together. I don't think Dyson and Hancock's have played badly this season and I'm specifically looking away when I say that I don't think they've played badly this season I think the problem we've got with them is they, they play the same role too often they almost play the same role they go and fill the holes alongside John Lewis too often uh, at the same time that's what I prefer to see them. I think when, when we when we played well it's when one of them have actually stayed a little bit deeper and played Go on, Debo. You're shaking your head in disbelief. I know he scored yesterday and he, and he, and he took his goal well but I mean what else did he offer in game Dyson? 
what what did he actually do? Apart seriously, what did he do? And and I just feel like every game I'm watching him, it, it's just I, I just look at him. What are you doing? You know, most of the time so far, he's timid, crap shots. And really, he's he's offered nothing in middle. He's offered nothing creative wise. I mean, it, it, it doesn't surprise me because you know he, he won't get enough. He won't get enough confidence off. So. I mean, he's he's just burgling a, a a position in team, if you ask me. But that's just my opinion on it. I don't think he's anywhere near good enough for this level. Hancock's, yeah, I think Hancock's is getting found out at this level as well. But I mean, look, it, it, it's early days in it, so it's maybe I always say you should give ten. Oh, I suppose last time I did say we'd, we'd know a lot. You know, we'll know about his team come October. But yeah, I'm, I'm very very worried for Dyson and uh, and Hancock's. I just think I, I think he's going to get. Found out personally, but um, is there anyone else surprised you would have been expecting more of apart from uh, you weren't expecting much of Ollie Dyson in the first place anymore in this team that you think is underachieving in the first six games? You expected more from? I think we should give him 10 apart from Dyson, who I know is not good enough. I'm surprised that Burgess hasn't played more. I'm surprised Scott Burgess hasn't played more. I thought he was, I thought he was coming in to play. Well, basically, the Hancock, that, that Hancock role last season ahead of the, you know, playing almost in behind John Lewis, playing a, a bit more forward. And, and we haven't, I, I, well, I thought he played well when he came on yesterday, but we haven't really seen him. That surprised me. I'm surprised, I don't get me wrong, when I praised Dyson Hancock, I'm surprised they've started and played as much as they have. Very surprised. I, I, I can see, I can see why Dyson is liked by managers. I, I think that, you know, he does put a lot of effort in, but but I kind of agree with Debo that, that the quality, there's a question mark around. I also question what is his best position. You know, I think last season he got a lot of praise because in the playoffs he, he did that job at right back. And I think for someone playing out a position, a position that wasn't familiar to him, as he did at Spennymore early on in the season, you know, he is someone who, who will fill in in different positions. But he, I think we signed him as a right midfielder. He's now playing centrally. But he did take his goal well yesterday. But but you know I, I'm surprised that he's he's a first team. I, I thought that I'm, I'm like you, Jim. I thought Burgess would have had that position. But I can see why Askey would like him. I do think that he, he is a player that I can see why managers like because he, he you know he, he does put in hundred percent. I think I think you can't take that away from him. But. But whether he's got the quality, like Mark's saying, is is up for debate, isn't it? But I, but just going back to yeah. the kind of players that have that have done well, I, I completely agree with Jim about Pybus. I think he was a key signing because, although you don't take much notice about preseason, I, I think it's noticeable that he came straight into the side, Dan Pybus. You know, having not really played much in preseason, I think he played the Notts County game, if I'm if I'm right. But he was he was put straight in because I think we were lacking that kind of shield in front of the back four that Akil Wright had. And Akil Wright is is kind of irreplaceable for his sort of size and his presence and everything he gave us. I don't think we're ever going to get like for like with Akil Wright, but we have got a player there that he's comfortable on the ball. He breaks up play nicely. You know, and, and I think he cares quite a lot as well. I don't know if people noticed in the crowd yesterday, but he, he looks a bit hacked off when he got taken off. I mean, I understood the substitution because I think he doesn't give you too much going the other way, Pybus. I think he is a defensive player and we needed to, it was needs must, we needed to get forwards and try put, you know, take the game to Oldham. But he really wasn't happy when he got brought off. And I think there was a little bit of an argument between him and Kingsley James when, when, when he came off. You know, but, for, but for me, that, that shows that both sides of him care and, and it's, it's a good thing going forward. really interested to see how that, how that midfield develops and changes to us. Because I, I think that, I think it's been so key this season. Like I say, when we've played well, is when that midfield played, has played well. And it's when they've played like the midfield three played at the end of last season. So you had, you know, you think about the last season, you had Akil Wright sitting in, you had Paddy very much playing like a traditional centre midfield role. And then you had Hancock making those a lot of late runs, playing a little bit further forward. I think this season, when we've played poorly, and I look at, you know, Solihull or uh, most nearly all of pre-season, you, you've had Pybus sitting in, and you've had Hancock and Dyson almost playing right up, almost creating a, a front five with the, with, the, with the three up top. And when we've played well, it's on one of them that them has dropped. I, I'll be interested to see how Mafuta coming back from injury, because we still haven't seen him, how he fits in. Because my understanding, he's a defensive midfielder. So does that mean that? 
Ibis moves into that that kind of more classic centre midfield role, and then then we have Hancock, Burgess, or Dyson doing the other bit. I don't know. I think I'd be interested to see how that works going forward. Definitely the area of concern at the moment in it so far. And like I say, yeah. like I do think it is a bit harsh to judge judge most of them at this point. Really, I do think you need to give them more time. But from what I've the games I've seen so far, I'm just concerned about. The, the space that the opposition have in the middle of the park when they get the ball. They, ju- they just seem to have so much time and they just seem to have 20, 30 yards to run into. And given that we've sort of got three in there, that's even more concerning. So it's definitely, for me, it's definitely the, the biggest area of, of concern and some of that. But some of that, I think, over time and over the season, I think Askey will sort it out. I, I, you know, I mean, I, having him in charge is, is just such a great uh, asset to the club. And, you know, I think... Yeah, We're think, not conceding think... many goals, though, are we? I, I think that's positive. You know, there's no one sort of spanks or anything like that. And, and you, then you'd be worried about the amount of space that people get. I think the only concern I've got at the minute is if anything happens to Kuya, because I think I'm right in saying that he, he's been involved in every single goal we've scored this season. And as we've said, you know, the guy's a magician. And, and he looks a little bit jaded, I thought, against Oldham. And, and maybe he was, I think sometimes when he gets frustrated, I think he almost tries too hard. And I think people are confusing that with him being a bit greedy, I think people have labelled that him. I don't think he's a greedy player. I think he's just a player that when he gets the ball, he likes to try create and, and make things happen. And and sometimes, he, you know, he maybe was taking a, a touch too many or, you know, he was getting crowded out. But but I don't think it was for the for the lack of trying or him him being greedy at all, I think. But but, but that, that would be my concern. And, you know, I mentioned in the last pod that I think that he played a lot of games for Afghanistan in the summer. He didn't really get a proper break and, and that might start catching up with him. And maybe the olden game was the start of us seeing a bit of fatigue kicking in. I don't know. Hopefully not. But, you know, I, I, he's someone I think we need to wrap in cotton wool, really, because if he doesn't play... I would be worried because even though I like the look look of Hurst and, and even like Burgess coming on in midfield yesterday, there's not a lot of goals in that side. If you take Kuyar out of, you know, creating things and and certainly John Lewis out because he's he struggled with an injury the other week, you know, there isn't a great yeah. deal amount of goals coming from elsewhere, really. I thought it was noticeable yesterday that Alder had two men on him, to be honest. And I think that's something we're going to have to get used to and work it out because pretty religiously yesterday, their fullback followed him everywhere. And then as soon as the ball went near him, the midfielder arrived immediately. There was it was Kuya had two of two people around him, and you're right, he got he got frustrated by that. What we've got to do is work out, and I think that's going to happen again and again because people are going to identify that he's our star performer. We're going to have to work out ways of working around that, and, and that that means other players stepping up. So we want to wrap Nas Kuya in cotton wool. Let's move on now to wrapping. Perhaps John Askey in cotton wool as well. The manager being very popular with the Aussies fans for obvious reasons since joining and turned down the approach by Rochdale last week to become a uh, football league manager in favour of staying at York City. Can I get your reaction to uh, John Askey staying at the LNER? Obviously, all delighted. But do you think he should be offered perhaps a longer term contract just to... I say wrap him in that cotton wall a bit more. So if York City do have a good season come the end of the year, he could attract even more interest from higher up in the football league. I feel if if John Askey, if this was his first job and he was doing really well, I think I think the football league would be a big pull for him. I think the likes of Rochdale, even though people are saying, "Oh well, how how are their long term prospects better than ours?" The fact of the matter is, they're in the football league, aren't they? And, and I think that is a big pull for for footballers and managers. But I think the fact that he has sort of been to Shrewsbury before, didn't quite work out, went to Port Vale, did well in the first instance, but then didn't didn't do so great. He's kind of had those experiences. I think he feels loved by the York City fans. I think he sees the potential of York City. He sees that we're on a bit of momentum from promotion. So I think he he sort of thinks, well, as long as he's getting backed by the the board and and the fans are still behind him, why would he want to move on? I I think it would be different, like I say, if it was his first job and that was the first sort of time someone could... A bit like at Macclesfield, you know, Shrewsbury came in for him, bigger club, more potential, higher up the pyramid... He went for it, but it didn't quite work out for him. And now, you know, he's a bit older than he, I think he's 57, isn't he, John Askey or something like that? Apologies if he's listening and he's like 48, but I, I think he's, he's got in his 50s. He's probably sort of thinking, well, you know, I, I like being here. And, and, you know, I think we've all kind of experienced this in our own lives. If, if you're happy in your, in your job at work, there's a lot to be said for that. And, um, you know, I, I think that unless it's a, a massive job comes up, I can't see him leaving anytime soon. But yeah, I, I probably would offer him a new contract just to kind of, you know, maybe publicly back him and, and sort of show that, that we're kind of behind him as, as a club and we're all together. And 
you know, why not? I don't think we're going to get anyone better at this level. Yeah, worth adding Rochdale bottom of League Two as well. So is that really a pull away from a club on the such as York City, Jim? Because you, you want to uh, add something to the debate? Yeah. Yeah, I think this. this I, I think this question is bigger than Aski, if, if I'm honest. And and I don't know. Maybe I'm. Maybe it's a bit risky for me to be the one asking this, given my position. But I think you've got to you've got to look at what do we want as a as a football club, and how do we want to move forward and grow, right? And 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 make what you're trying to make a decision if you're going to back the manager long term is is his philosophy and style going to be what we want to build our football, the football inside of the football club around, because. And I think, you know, personally, I, I, I love Basket. I think he's great. I think what he's, the standards that he sets, simple stuff that we've not seen for years at York City, the standards that he sets, clearly sets within the squad, the moral position that he puts everybody in. You know, he, he has a clear standard of across life, not just in football, that he, he believes he's honest. That he, he represents a lot of what, what I think people from York like like to believe they are. But I think, you know, it, it, it is one of those things that we need to think a little bit wider about is John Askey, John Askey's style of football, what what we want to, what we want to build a, a football in, a football round, football round, right? So is that something we want to run right through the club? And to me, I'd like that. But, you know, I, I think it's a little bit bigger than do we just want to give a manager a long-term contract? Because at this level, giving him a longer contract, we know the risk behind that yeah both let's get your thoughts on the situation with John Askey last week obviously pleased to see him stay is there anything uh, you want to add from what Jim and Dan have already mentioned well yeah but more in response to what Dan and Jim have said there because I think both of them have raised two really great points to be honest Dan's obviously speaking about the lack of sort of pull from past experiences and then Jim's talking about obviously, you know, in terms of Askey's footballing philosophy, and I and I think like for example, for me, why and I've and I've said this, you know, I've said it tonight, and I've said it before, like he's such a big asset to this football club. He's, he's the best manager that we've had in in ten years since Gary Mills first time. And following on from Jim's point there around like his philosophy and stuff, I mean, if you look at what he did last season, he came in and he figured out what we needed to do to get promoted and how we needed to play and how we needed to win football matches. And by the end of it, by the end of the season, for me, we were the best team in the league. If we'd have had to play Gateshead in a playoff game, which obviously wasn't a possible scenario, I think we'd have beaten. Okay, we, we, by the end of the season, we could beat everyone. And he figured out what the formula was for doing that. And he wasn't particularly pretty. And if you like this season, sort of that same sort of formula, he's going with it. And I think... For me, what attracts me so much to keeping Askey long term is that I just I really trust that he'll he'll do that this season. I think he'll I think he'll figure out what what we need to do and what we need and how we need to play. And given that he's a past, he's won this league as well. And I know obviously through seasons gone, obviously things change and the football style changes and different clubs etc. Things do change, but yeah, I really. I, I really think he'll. I think he'll figure it out. I think if we keep, you know, keep hold of him, which is an absolute must. Like Dan says, we're not going to get a better manager. He's a brilliant football manager, especially at this level. And I think he'll figure it out for us. And I, I think we'll get promoted under. Him. And then it's sort of interesting. Then you starting to think about League Two, aren't you? And you starting to think about, well, what will he do there, and what would his philosophy be there? Really interesting. But I, I just think for me, it's a, it's a no brainer. I want to see him under contract. I want to see him at the football club. And I want to see him staying. You know, I think, yeah, I, I think as a football manager, I think I think he'll figure things out and he'll, he'll do it at this level. And, you know, so for me, no brainer, we keep him. But definitely, you know, what that, what Dan and Jim said there are really valid, good, real valid points. And certainly for, for, for the listeners, it's, you know, they're good things for people to think about and probably talk amongst themselves with their mates about. I think, I think one thing he has done well uh, is the basics. You know, like we look so much fitter than I've ever seen us. In the night, well, I know we're not in National League North anymore, but but just you know, sat you know, yesterday, sorry, the, the Oldham game, you know, it was the level of fitness that kept us in that game, really. I think you know, we're on the ropes a little bit at times, but we just dug in, and then you know, we were we were just really pushing that last 10 minutes and and, and injury time as well. And you and it just felt to me that if that game had been another 10 minutes, we'd have gone on and won that. And that, that's credit to the, to the fitness, you know, how often in the past have we seen games where you know, we had a full-time professionals. We're playing loads of part-time sides, and we're getting outrun by them in the, by about sixty-minute mark. When you sort of thought, oh, our full-time fitness will start to tell here. 
under ASCII, I think that that's not an issue anymore. And, and very rarely people mention it, but I think they do look so much fitter now. You know, they, they will run and run. And, and that's why I mentioned about Ollie Dyson earlier. I think that's why he likes him, because he will run and run all day long for him. Mm. And and, he, and, he, and if people don't, and that's the other thing I like about him, if people don't do what he wants them to do, he's got no place for them. He's got no time for them. You know, and, and, and whether we, we like it or not, like people like Sam Fielding and Harrison Hopper, I think we're both unlucky last season to be released. But but they didn't fit. He, they didn't do what he wanted him to do. Will Jarvis, another one, sent him back to Hull, didn't he? He, he didn't, he, he's got a very sort of, very tunnelled, I think, John Asker, with what he wants to do. And I, and I think that's a good thing. I'm saying that as a positive. I think he knows exactly what his philosophy is, like Debo said, and and, and he, he knows what he, he wants to achieve at the club. And, that's why I think the, the contract thing, it's, it's more symbolic than, than sort of giving him a 10-year contract. It's more kind of like just being publicly about, well, we've actually, you know, improved his current contract, even if it's not in terms of length, but but improve the terms for him. I just think it sends out a message to other clubs that, look, he's our manager. Piss off, basically. <laughs> I, I, I mean, as I say, I love him. I think I think the fitness is a great point. I think the man, the man management, the squad management is something that's really coming through in a minute. I mean, we, we, we have effectively got an injury crisis at, at the moment. I think it's like six, seven players technically on the injury list. But his squad management and his management of, of people is, is really good. And, and, and the example I go to is someone that's, that's not played, probably won't play for, for much of the season. So Scott Barrow went to Maidenhead, took the trip to Maidenhead at the week on Saturday. Now, Barrow's nowhere near a squad. He's not going to be near a squad for a while if, if, if his injuries are... We know he's... Because we know he's had that huge injury. He, he Involving someone in the squad like that is, is shows you the measure of how you want to behave and, and set, as I say, sets those standards. That I think as a football club, we've, we have missed... Let's, let's, let's not shy away from it. We've missed them as a football club. That We treat people as people, but we, we also have that, that performance standard that we want to hit. And... Um, I, I'm a, I, I, as I say, I love him, but yeah, I, I'm really impressed with how he how he manages as, as well as just his tactics and how he gets performances. It's it's funny you mentioned Scott Barrow because I, I saw him and I had a quick chat with him as I was wandering to the ground yesterday, and he was walking ahead, and I sort of said, "Oh, was not wrong with you," <laughs> and, then, and he sort of said, "Oh, yeah," and we had a chat about his injury, and he he said he was hoping to be back sort of March time. I think I think he was told it was it was a full season, but he said, oh, you yeah. know." I'm hoping to try push myself and get back for March, April time. And I said, "Oh, what in time for the playoffs?" And he just he just smiled. <laughs> so who knows? Yeah. You might see him waving to the crowd again, Debo. But, but you don't see that at this level. I mean, it, it, you know, I think we all recognise that it was good as a football club to uh, to give him a contract in that situation, was considering he got injured under us last year. But for him then to be actually involved and then to to feel like he should, you know, he's at game, should be at games and things like that. He's, I think that's, that's a, it's a difference that we've not seen as a football, we've not had a football club for a while. He's, he's really loyal, isn't he, to, to people like you mentioned, Barrett, but also Michael Duckworth, who, you know, I missed the working game, which is the only game he's played this season and, and he scored and, and played well. But, you know, with his injury record, I, I was surprised he was kept on. You know, he, he didn't, play enough games last season. You know, I know he's got pedigree at this level, Michael Duckworth, and I'm sure he doesn't want to keep getting injured, but he's had rotten luck with injuries. But but a lot of them, I think most managers would have released him. And I think most managers would not have given Scott Barrow another contract. You know, he, he is loyal to, to these people, whether whether we agree with it or not on an individual basis. But, you know, I think that that is part of his what he believes in, like you said, about his kind of moral compass with everything. The loyalty creates though, right, as well. It's, it's not just about how loyal he is. He, he creates so much loyalty. You can tell that there's players absolutely running their heart out, out for him and, you know, that's great to see. Really, lots of uh, positivity then. Good points there from our panel. Let's move on now. Not as far as March. Let's move on to the fixtures upcoming for York City. A, a fairly tough-looking September on paper, you would say. Uh, trip to the Oval this coming Saturday and then two home games against Dagenham and Bromley. Dagenham who beat Bromley by four goals to one yesterday so maybe Bromley not as tough as we thought. A trip to Scunthorpe which, uh, well, they're really in dire straits at the moment, aren't they? And then a visit by Knox County to the LNER at the end of the month. Would you all agree it's a tougher looking September on paper for the upcoming fixtures? Dan, how about you? Is there anyone there you think might struggle to get three points off or... Yeah, I mean, the, the, you know, it's a step up from what we were experiencing last season, without a doubt. You know, the, I think there were gimmies in the in the National League North, even under when we're doing terrible under Sam Collins, you did see some fixtures, but we'll still win that, no matter how crap we are. And uh, and I don't think National League's 
like that. It'd be interesting. I think it'd be interesting playing Bromley and Dagenham because the two teams that we played last season. So you can sort of almost have it as a bit of a benchmark as to whether the players that John Askey's brought in has, has brought us up sort of closer to their level. Because I know we beat Dagenham on penalties, but I think during the game itself, you know, that Dagenham were probably the better team on the day. Bromley, we played well first half, but they kind of just showed that levels above in the second half and beat us. Notts County, we've already played in pre-season. I think, you know, it was the last game before the season. So that's normally the one pre-season game that has a bit of an impact because you normally play the team that's likely to start the first game. So and we got beaten that. So it'll be interesting to see, given their sort of fast start, you know, how, how we sort of compare. So I'm sort of looking forward to the fixtures rather than seeing them with any sort of fear. I mean, I wonder whether with the Scumfort one, whether they'll have a, a new manager in by that point and maybe a bit of a bounce effect. But they are absolutely all over the place. They actually remind me of what we were like in 2004. They just look like they're so ill-equipped for this level. Club kind of a bit of a basket case off the pitch. And yeah, you'd hope that we could go there and, you know, we'll take a lot of fans there because obviously there's a lot of Southern trips in there at the minute and it's it's tough with the cost of living, you know, petrol prices and everything. It's it's, it's a tough ask to keep going to these these sort of grounds like Yeovil on Saturday, you know, is a, is a long old trip. But Scunthorpe, I, I think we'll, we'll travel well there in numbers and, and they're not a great side. So you'd hope that that would be a decent away day for fans and we'll come back with three points. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to the fixtures rather than living in any fear of them. Jim, how about you? Are you making the trip down to Yeovil on Saturday? I am. I am. I'm uh, I'm actually featuring on Radio York because uh, Ian Dunn can't make it on Saturday. So I'm, I'm joining the uh, media elite that Dan normally sits with for a match day. But I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about this. on this. Nice yeah. <laughs> I, I'm I'm really excited about it. I mean, I mean, firstly, it's got three home games, and 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 at the moment, it's a real joy going to to the stadium. At the moment, yesterday was the most fun I've had at football. You know, fun day generally, not for, for a long time. I mean, even Boston, I was too nervous to really enjoy the day. Yesterday was it was just seemed like a great day all round. It was a good good football day. I think. Dan's right. You know, I'm I'm looking forward to Scunthorpe because I think we'll travel well. I think that'll be good. County feels like feels like one for the calendar because I think similar to yesterday, you know, it, it'll be a it'll be a big attendance. I think you know it's going to be heavily attended by the away fans, and I'd like to think we can get a, a lot of home fans down. But from a, from a real footballing point of view, definitely go back to Dan's point. I mean, Dagenham and Bromley are going to be a real good benchmark for for how we've improved, and that's quite. Excited, going to be quite exciting to see that. Debo, any early trips on the card coming up? You fancy Yeovil on Saturday? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to Yeovil on Saturday, going with Travel Club. So I've got a nice little uh, six o'clock start. Well, I mean, half hour alarm, I guess, Saturday morning for, for six o'clock set off from Memorial Gardens. So I, was, <laughs> I must admit, I was a bit surprised to see it was six o'clock. I mean, I know it's a it's a five hour trip and obviously we'll have to have a stop off at some point, but I didn't think it, I didn't expect six o'clock. But um, yeah, so I'm going to go to that. I'm going well to be honest. Yeah, I'm because I've not been to any of the way so far, not including the FA Cup game in October. I won't miss my way now until until we play Boreham Wood away in November, I think. So yeah, I'm I'm going to be doing the next four, four, five, six, whatever that is, up until that point. Yeah, this month for me, clubs are still finding the feet. We're still finding the feet. I'm not. I'm not particularly excited or worried either way. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll just see where it happens. You know, I think the lads make a good point about the Bromley and Dagenham games as benchmarks. Absolutely, absolutely agree with Jim on the on the game yesterday. I too, I absolutely loved it yesterday. It was like it just felt like you're back at a proper like league game. Obviously, they brought a lot after they scored. They obviously were bouncing for 15 minutes, which spurred them on a bit. And I thought it seemed to impact on us a little bit as well, players and supporters. We were quite quiet for a while, but credit to the players because, they, you know, they they were able to respond back to it. But yeah, I absolutely loved it yesterday. And you want more games like that and big followings. But yeah, for me, it's just, like I say, we'll see where we're at after 10 games. We'll see where we're at in October. And then we'll really start to know what, what we're about, what the, what the squad's about what teams are about in this division. So, yeah, I'm not, like I say, I'm not particularly not particularly excited or, or, or too worried. You know, we'll we'll see what happens and, um, yeah, we'll see, we'll see where we are after, after it. In a weird way, I, I, I kind of enjoyed Oldham scoring. <laughs> it, it sounds really bizarre, but I, I like the fact that the whole away end erupted. It, it reminded me of growing up when Huddersfield or Birmingham had, or Cardiff had packed pack out that, that away end at Booth and Crescent and, 
it's just for the atmosphere, you know, obviously even more delighted, obviously York got back into the game, but, but just in a weird way, I sort of thought, yeah, we're back at a decent level, you know, last season, if, if, if Leamington or someone had, had a scored, there'd have been 10 fans jumping up. Do you know what I mean? Not that, not that I, sorry, I'll probably rephrase it. Not that I was happy to see the opposition score, but I was just happy to see that level of, of kind of crowd in, in, you know, from both sets of supporters and chanting at each other. And, and just, it just felt like back to the football league days. And it, for me, it was, it was an enjoyable experience. I thought it was great. First time in a long time that I've seen our team lift our crowd. So often we've seen the last few years it's been the other way around when that's happened. But I think Devo's right. You know, for 15 minutes, Oldham were on top and Oldham were on top in the stands as well. We we didn't. I don't think our fans quite knew how to react to get that to get back on top really. But but the players, you know, made that happen. And and I thought once we scored, certainly, but you know, we got we were crowd were well up for it, and 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 there was no turning back there. You know, we were on top for that final kind of 10, 15 minutes again. I thought it was great. I just, and, and like I said, I haven't seen... Askey's called for it a few times. Askey's owned up to the fact that it's the players that have got to get the crowd up. And I thought it was great to see that actually. it was That's what happened yesterday. And that was really good to see. I'd say what was amazing as well, right, when you think about it. I mean, they brought 1,600 yesterday. And when they were on top, like all 1,600 were singing. Like all of them, and that was quite impressive because let's not underestimate. Like, and I know we sort of picked up on this, but our support last year was absolutely fantastic. It it was class, you know, for for where we were, for what most of the season was like, really two thirds of it almost. The way that the, the fans in the south stand got behind the team and lifted the team, like you say, and, you know, non, you know, singing, you know, absolutely, like, it, it, it was vital for us last year. We needed that. I don't, I, those, those young, some of those young lads probably don't realise how important they were for us last year. But it was just, it, just to see all 1,600, like, even when we take big followings, you know, if we take a big following away from home, and we can and we can create an atmosphere because I've been part of some great atmospheres. But you don't get every, you don't get all of them. Like yesterday, that when when they were on top, like you say all sixteen hundred fans were up singing, and it was uh, it was pretty impressive. And uh, and yeah, like you say, Jim, you know the players then responded to that, and and they lifted us, and it was uh, it was important. Wasn't it? I'll be interested to see whether our fans learn from that. Actually, because I think I think you're absolutely right, Deborah. I think you know that that. We, we all talk about them, don't they? The South Sanders, that, that middle group of young kids. But that's got to be the first time they've seen that happen to them as a York fan. Everybody, there's been lots of back and forth with them, hasn't there? Best, uh, best of, they, and they are great. You're absolutely right. They're brilliant. But I hope they take it on as, they, OK, well, how do we... How do we get our, our end like that when, when we score in those big games? How, you know, and I think you know, part of that simple stuff, spread out a little bit more and keep making noise. You know, we, they, all of them got on top of us 15 minutes, but when we've got, you know, not counting at the end of the month, that'll happen again. And how are we going to react as fans? How can we make sure that actually, if you, all right, you're going to come at us as a, as a full end, but we're going to come back because, because we've spread out, because we're, 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 the, we're the home team, we're going to make noise for our lot. So hopefully they learn from those experiences, you know, in a real positive and make themselves even better. I don't think Oldham were a particularly good side, but I think their crowd made them play a lot better. You know, I don't think man for man they were any better. You know, Oldham, bigger club than York City, probably bigger history in terms of they were in the Premier League when I was growing up. But like in terms of yesterday, first half, I thought they were they were pretty ordinary Oldham. But once they scored and that their crowd really got behind them, like you said, a full amount of them, I think it got 10, 15% of them. And they nearly got the second goal as well. I mean, credit to us, you know, dug in, got back in the game and we ended strongly and, and should have won it really with that chance at the end. But but that that is the power of a decent crowd. And like Jim says, if we can get our crowd to be a bit like that, because sometimes... You know, South Stand are fantastic, but sometimes you can be at away games and you sort of think, well, no one's chanted anything here. You know, and it's about that kind of the impact that those those young fans who had a future of the club, really, what can they do to, to elevate this team to, to kind of get back in the football league? Because every, everyone pulling together is what, what makes it happen. When you think back to those those great nights at Boodham, it, it was as, as singing as one. Certainly from the long earth. I mean, I, I know Dan, you touched on it, you didn't. You didn't hear us as much as you hear the South Stand from the from the press box. But when I remember the big nights at, at Booth and Crescent, it was it was getting those ones that wouldn't normally sing. <laughs> Let's put it that way. You know, when everybody joins together, 
that's when that's when a, a stadium comes alive to me. And I, and I think they can absolutely have that impact. They can have that impact more often. We saw it against Boston in the playoffs last season, but they can have that impact more regularly if, 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 they, if they work with the rest of the stand. How do they, you know, and, and, and that's up to them to think about that if they want to do it. You know, we, we will all join in and, and, and heck, I was shouting at the top of my voice last, yesterday. But it, it's how do we get that core? How do we keep growing that? How do we keep growing that out, out across the South Stand? And then you start to infect the East and the West as well. And they're joining too. So we've had a lot of harking back to the good old football league days at Breathing Crescent. We're going to hark back now to our uh, days in the National League North not too long ago because we're going to move on to the Shambles Spinner. I've just done the uh, Shambles Spinner, our uh, random question generator. Just a bit of fun to close off each episode of the crooks of it. And it's come up with this time the worst game in the National League North. I'm sure we're all spoiled for choice. I can see the uh, brains whirring away. Dan, you look as though you've got an answer already. Let's start with you. I'm going to go with Gloucester last season as my worst one. Initially, I, I sort of thought Geisley 6, York 1, but that was uh, that was in the National League, wasn't it? Yeah. That was uh, that yeah. season. But uh, Which is probably my worst night ever sporting York, I have to say. But yeah, I think in the National League North, a Gloucester one for me was, was just gut-wrenching. We'd had that pre-season and I'm normally someone who just pays literally no attention to pre-season. I hardly ever go to a pre-season game. But last season, you sort of got, everyone got hoodwinked by it and everyone got caught up in it and was like, bloody hell, we've beaten everyone in the North East and, and even like Notts County, obviously, who at the time were in the league above us, we'd beaten them as well and looked really good and it, it was all coming and you thought, bloody hell, we can't, a new stadium bounce, we can't fail not to get off to a good start. Then obviously we lost to Kidderminster on the opening day, but you thought, well, you know, that's a bit of a blip. You know, what we, we'll, we'll turn it around next week. Go to Gloucester, who I think had done all right the season before when he got hit by COVID, but then they lost all their players to Chesterville, didn't they? Like Asante and, and even Alex Whittle and people like that. And they'd lost all these players. They, were, they weren't expected to do very well. And they absolutely spanked us in the 4 0. It was embarrassing. And you, and for me, I just thought at the time, I thought, bloody hell, we're still not going to get promoted out of this league. Because that was the thing in that preseason. You thought, oh, well, finally, we're actually going to do it. And obviously, in the end, we did. But it was a very roller coaster way to get there. But that Gloucester game was just, it was just so embarrassing. I know it was on a plastic pitch and that, but I think even worse for me, me and my uncle were sat in the, not behind the goal, but that just to stand to the side of it, which was supposedly York fans, but there was loads of Gloucester fans in there. And we had this annoying, I don't know how to sort of class him as really, without swearing. You get the type that I mean, but just in our ears all the time, sort of basically just rubbing it in how, how poor Yorks that you were. And it was just, you sort of thought, oh, well, even at 2-0, you thought, oh, we can get one back. We'll jump on this block when we get the equaliser in last minute. And But no, 4-0 down, just just pathetic effort. And then, yeah. And then they, they turned out to be really poor as well, Gloucester. You sort of thought, oh, maybe, coming out of the game, you thought, oh, maybe they are quite a good side, Gloucester. But no, they, I think they lost 9-0 at yeah. Charlie a few weeks later. It was just, just a terrible match start to finish. Yeah, I'm sure if Ben had been on the panel this evening or not watching Beverly Town, he'd probably be in agreement with you, Dan. <laughs> Devo and Jamie have had plenty of time to think about this one. Can you uh, do one better? I don't think I can. I think Gloucester became the... Uh, or, was it, or was it as bad as Gloucester or was it quite as bad as Gloucester? Uh, you know, the glasses. I remember Dan texting me a few times and we, one of us had missed the game today and, and that was the reference point. Um, I think special mention for Kettering last season because um, obviously the first game got postponed which was ridiculous from them they should have postponed it well before and you go down there on the Tuesday night and you know, they, they notoriously have a terrible pitch and they just played long ball and just couldn't deal with it it was horrible lost and without without a standard and that was I think that was that was Askew's result right that was the one where it, it always felt like we had a team in the National League North where at least once a season or once a manager they would they would do it where they just just not turn up at all and that was Askew to be fair but, but, but from that point it was all different so yeah it wasn't an enjoyable night but I don't, I don't think a lot will compare to Gloucester really Last but not least Debo anything we've forgotten about or are you in agreement? Well do you know I've, I've just been trying to wrap my brain it's just thinking back to some of the other seasons and seeing if I could sort of come up with anything from them but I must have I mean in terms of the Gloucester game I mean I've said it at full time whistle on the day it was the worst performance I've ever seen in my life and I still stand by that. And we had some shockers even last year, didn't we? 
I'm going to go with a different game in terms of my answer. And for me, just personally, and just just to give an answer that gives a little bit of a different spin on this question, for me, it was Boston away uh, last season when we played them. I think it was towards the end of October, maybe beginning of November. And it was on a Tuesday night. And the reason I'm saying this is just because that is the lowest. We got beat, I don't know if people remember, we got beat 2-1, conceded two penalties. Neither of them were penalties. They literally had 12 men all game with the referee just playing just, just in front of a back two for them. It's, I've never left a game feeling as low as that because I just, we'd lost again. It just felt like everything was against us. Ref was against us. We, we got no luck. And I think we were about 14th, maybe 15th in table. And I just, I, I, I left that night. Just I just felt like, I felt we'll, we're never going to get out of this league. Like, that's what I, was, what I was telling myself. I was sat on the coach back and I was like, we're never going to get out of it. And I was just, I was at such a low. It's the last, in fact, from I've not been to a night away game since. I was adamant for months and months that I'll never go to the night away, the night away game again because of how I felt. I couldn't on bus back. I, I couldn't sleep. I was trying to, you know, you're up for work in the morning. And I just, I, I just wanted to start watching football. So for it to all turn around at the end and to do them in final game as well. It was just, it just added to it. It was just the icing on the cake. And something else, their players were a disgrace that night. Not just cheating on pitch, but some of the, some of the jib they were giving to City fans as well, provoking us. I just, yeah, it was, it was just a horrendous night. And um, even like, for example, things like you looked at their social club that night at the ground and you saw how good it was. And you're like, why haven't we got that at our ground? And, Everything just about that night was just, it was just fodder. It was just awful. And even having a few beers in Boston before game, it just, just a night I just wanted to forget. And like I said, the lowest I've ever felt leaving a football match. And so that's, yeah, that's probably the, the worst game for me. But that's, that's just my personal take on it. That's just, you know, a bit of a different view. But, um, but yeah. I mean, while Debo's been talking, I've just, just remembered the Darlington 5-1. I mean, that VAT is up there as well as being just absolutely horrendous, especially at that ground as well, where you get like a worm's eye view of the match. It's just... Is that, is that a Boxing Day game? Yeah, that's, game? yeah. yeah. I think Alex yeah. Bray got sent off and, yeah, I think yeah. it's under Sam Collins. Yeah, just... I mean, we beat him 4-0, I think, the next game, but it was... It, you just yeah. those sort of games. I think, like Debo says, when you, when you go when you go away from it, thinking we're never ever getting out of this league. But they're, they're the ones out of the stick because when, when you're particularly well beat as well, like it's not so bad if you've sort of like you've lost in the last minute, but you've played quite well. It's those ones where you've been like just taken apart, or you know, like Debo says, you know, you're up against it with the ref and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, there's been some bad ones, which makes it even sweeter, doesn't it? Like Debo said, the boss beating Boston in the final. Beating um, Paul Cox's teams are always good, aren't they? And for what they sort of stand for as well. And and yeah, perfect. We had a few Boxing Day ones as well, didn't we? Because we lost to North Ferriby. Is it Boxing Day we lost to North Ferriby and then we beat them at home? And well, that's it. The, the, the problem is the striker that we had for a long period of time, Jim, haven't we? Yeah. <laughs> we sparked for choice yeah, for this question. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We could go on all night, to be fair. I was going to say, no mention of Curzon Ashton or Bradford Park Avenue. I always found Curzon a really weird one because they always sacked the managers after Curzon but I never came away thinking that's an absolutely a, a horrific loss you know they just they just sort of string the results just that ended up with it but Jinx team yeah. weren't they but Bradford Park Avenue lost home 3-0 and 4-1 I think as well wasn't there 4-1 defeat there so yeah endless list of choices there well I'm going to hand over to Jim now I gather you've got the uh, guess the player game to finish us off with yeah I'm going to give it a go so uh, just a reminder for the listeners so um, what we thought we would do is bring together bring to life should we say uh, Yfront's um, honours list a little bit in, in quiz format and we, we should have put out the, uh, the we'll, we will put out the questions on social media beforehand so that might be why you've joined in that's why we've left until last you've got to listen to the end but I'm going to start with this so the questions that I'll ask will be uh, me asking the question as the player that I'm describing and we will start with this one so um, I was born on the 7th of December 1955 in Dundee, Scotland uh, Ricky Sprazier uh, Sam's going to 
Dan's going to get it straight away. I can guarantee. Yeah. You know Chris's answer. No. John McPhail. No. I don't know why I play this for you. Is there no point in me playing this for you anymore? Is of course John McPhail. Uh, we got it. So he was. Say. Yeah, straight away. Of course he has. Yeah. Nice. So um, the other clues were going to be I played six hundred and sixty-four games uh, in my career, scoring fifty-eight goals. 142 and 24 goals for York City. I left York City for Bristol City, Sunderland, and eventually ended up at Hartlepool. But I ended my career by being a player manager for Hartlepool. Um, I think we have to say as well that, you know, John McPhail's not been very well. I think he had a fall last year. And, and I think the Boston game in the playoff final, there was, there was meant to be a minute's applause for him, I think, in, was it the seventh minute? Or that, Mm. Some minute ago, it was the minute that we actually scored the first goal. So I think it kind of got, it was almost like a poignant kind of goal that York City scored that day. But I think he is on the mend very, very slowly. But you know, best wishes go out to, to John, obviously, and his family. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm madly trying to find out, remember when he was actually knighted because I did write it down. So he was knighted by Wyfront uh, in the Jubilees on this on this list uh, on the second of June this year. My second one, we had to have to move on. Uh, so my my second one uh, was born on the fifth of May, nineteen fifty eight. I was born in Sheffield, England. Okay, so I played a total of six hundred and seventy four games across my career, scoring twenty two goals for York City. I played eighty nine games, scoring three goals. I'm just going to guess Brazier. Nope. Nothing from Dan. No, nothing from Dan. No guesses as of yet. Okay. Uh, I made my league debut for Rotherham at Brighton Hove Albion on the opening day of the 1975-96 season. Oh, is it? It's not him that used to do commentary for Radio York, is it? Not Chris Jones. Uh, Chris Topping, maybe? Chris Topping, no. He was born Cliff, I think, wasn't he? Finished my playing career for York City in 1994. Paul Stancliffe? Yes, Paul Stancliffe. <laughs> the final clue was oh. going to be that he went on to become our assistant manager and our youth development manager, uh, leaving in 2004, uh, 2005, they took a, a position as the under-18s coach at Doncaster Rovers. Uh, and he was knighted by Wyfront uh, last year. There we go. That's embarrassing. So I had him on the podcast as well. Absolute legend. But he, uh, <laughs> I, sorry, I, I misheard you. I thought you said he made his debut for us at Rotherham. That's what threw me. Sorry, no. Um, for Rotherham at Brighton and Hull Albion. Very good. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, thanks for that, Jim. And thank you to everyone for listening. Uh, you've been listening to The Crux of It, a spin off podcast from York Hospital Radio. York Hospital Radio providing a service for all patients at your hospital. Uh, we do rely on donations, so if you've enjoyed the podcast, uh, please uh, do give a donation if you can. You can visit www.justgiving.com forward slash York Hospital Radio. But until next time, we'll see you then. Take care.